Amen. Christ is risen, and he is dead no longer, and he is with us today as we worship together. I'm really glad that you're here today. It's a full morning for us as we uh, celebrate baptism, and uh, I know that some of you have driven quite a ways to be here today for the baptismal service to celebrate a a grandchild, uh, so glad that you can be here. Uh, Right now, we'd like to welcome uh, Robert and uh, Charlene Sanford uh, into the membership of uh, Terwilliger Community Church. And it's just a delight to be able to welcome you folks today. Robert and Charlene have spent their entire lives in uh, ministry in a variety of Baptist churches across Canada. And uh, Robert is now uh, still preaching from Sunday to Sunday. Uh, but also in the scientific industry as well. So a little bit of a change for you folks, but really delighted to have you at TCC and then coming on over to Southwest Community Church to help us launch into the new territory there. So we're delighted to have you as part of the membership of this body and that body. So I just wanted to say welcome today. God bless you guys. We love you a lot. So let's welcome them. And let me just pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for Robert and Charlene and uh, for the years of ministry and for the blessing of God, uh, Lord, your blessing upon them through these years. And I pray that as they join fellowship with us here at uh, TCC and Southwest, that together we might be a mighty army serving you and, and making a difference for you and your kingdom. So bless these wonderful folks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Well, as I said, a full morning. We're going to open the Word now. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 28. Uh, I read these words uh, this week, uh, written by a pastor, Dan Meyer. Uh, And Dan told the story of being with his son when he needed to go through surgery. And these are his words. He said, I will never forget being in the pre-op room with our 18-month-old son many years ago as the doctor readied him for surgery. Our son did not understand what was happening to him, and he was very scared. There was no way to adequately uh, explain to a child of that age that the operation had to be done. So the, the doctor needed to go inside of his head and implant some tubes so that that terrible motion sickness and constant ear infection might finally stop, and he'd be able to truly hear again. As the hospital staff tried to put the anesthesia mask over his face, this little guy began sobbing hysterically and fighting the physician. With tears on my own face, on our own faces, he writes, Amy and I pinned his arms down. He looked from one hand to the other and then up at us at tears, with tear swollen eyes with a gaze of horror and sadness. He said, I will never get out of my mind. I saw his mouth breathe uh, into the little clear plastic mask now pressed to his face. I'm not sure what words he spoke, but the message was obvious. I thought you had power sufficient to save me. I thought you were good and actually loved me. Why have you betrayed me? What an awful feeling for a parent. You feel like you lose trust with your little boy or your little girl. You do something you have to do, but it is gut-wrenching. Many parents have some similar story to tell 
about having to go through something like this. Matthew 28, Jesus Christ has just gone through the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane was probably the most agonizing prayer time Jesus experienced with his Father. Jesus checked, double-checked, triple-checked to see if the Father might have another plan that would circumvent the cross. Please, Father. Please, Father. Please, Father. And then in deep relinquishment, he prayed, If I need to travel this road, I will. I want your will more than I want my will. You can only imagine them holding down the arms of Jesus and nailing him to a cross. And there was no change in Gethsemane. Father, what are you doing? The Father didn't make any changes. The mission was still on. And when Jesus dies on the cross, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like that little boy looking at his mom and dad and saying, But why, but why, but why, but you're my mom and my dad, but why would you do that? Of course, years later, the little boy would be of such an age that, that he gets it. He understands. And he sympathizes with what his parents went through. And the father, as you know, told the son in three days after he died that he would rise again. And it was true. That's what the father told him. You will get through this. You will rise again. That's the reality of Matthew 28. The resurrection has taken place. Jesus is alive. The disciples get to see him after his death. And the end of 28 of Matthew is a pivotal section of Scripture, yes, for the church, but also for us on an individual level. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There are three things that I just want to bring to your attention today. And the first is the call to move forward in prayer. The call to move forward in prayer. Jesus has uh, given instructions to his 11 disciples to go to Galilee. And he would meet them there at a specific location. And what a time when they finally reconnected. They're meeting Jesus in his resurrected state. I mean, we can't forget that this has been absolutely traumatic for all of these guys to watch their leader die and then to hear that he's alive again. I mean, it was just too much for some of them. And when they saw him, it says they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. I can appreciate that some of them doubted because this was just a little bit over the top. To actually witness the death of your leader and then to see him again a few days later. But some just bowed the knee and worshipped him. Some just bowed the knee and they worshipped him. And that's prayer. That's the adoration part of prayer. 
to recognize the awesomeness of God, to recognize the awesomeness of Christ, and to have it confirmed in your heart that your leader, Jesus, is actually the Son of God. Friends, tonight's our prayer summit. And uh, that's our heart this evening, to come to Jesus and just to worship him as our risen Savior and Christ, that our leader is actually the Son of God, that he is who he claims to be, and we all have the privilege to worship him. And God calls us to keep moving forward in prayer, to move forward in our worship. I love that this church has a heart to worship. I love that the songs we sing even again this morning, they're all God-focused. Our worship is to him. So part of our time together this evening will be to, to worship the Lord, to just draw close to his heart and praise him and just give him thanks for who he is. He is the son of God. He's our leader and our guide and the one who forgives and restores. Jesus told his disciples as he met them in Galilee, he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has been authorized by the Father to go before us and to be the one who empowers us in our desire to impact our world. If you've ever had an opportunity to study the growth of the early Christian church, you know that someone must have been praying because all of the might of the Roman Empire was aligned against that tiny band of believers. Peter and John were imprisoned and beaten shortly after Pentecost, Acts chapter 4 and chapter 5. But someone was praying. Stephen was stoned to death for his preaching and became the first Christian martyr, Acts chapter 7. And someone was praying. James, the brother of John, was slain by Herod, and shortly afterward, Peter was imprisoned again, Acts chapter 12, and someone was praying. All of the apostles, with the exception of John, who, who was banished to the island of Patmos, all of them were probably martyred. And through all of that period of history, people were praying. And persecution continued long after the apostolic age uh, ended. When nearly half of Rome burned, Emperor Nero blamed the fire on innocent Christians and he vented his fury on them, but people were praying. And the gospel was moving forward. Some were sewn up in the skins of wild animals and were attacked by savage dogs. Others were smeared with tar and fastened to tom, uh, tall poles in the palace gardens and set on fire while Nero attended by his slaves and courtiers, reclined on a balcony and watched his torches burn. But all through those years, people were praying, people were praying. From every practical viewpoint, the early church's task seemed impossible, but it was the power of the Holy Spirit, and people were praying. In spite of the odds against them, by the end of the first century A.D., that tiny band of Christians had increased from 120, you remember, in the upper room, to approximately 10 million. Somebody was praying. And people are still praying today. People are still praying today. 
Friends, God's call on us is to move forward. And we don't, we don't have to try to build his church by ourselves. That's never been our job. Jesus gave us authority. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And before he left uh, to go back to heaven, Jesus wanted us to know this. He said, be sure of this. I'm with you always. I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. You'll never have to walk this road alone, no matter what you're facing. I'm with you. I'm with you to your dying breath. I'm with you to the close of the age. When history is all wrapped up, don't worry, I'll be there. You can trust me. I know you look at this world and you say, where is God in the midst of all of this? But I want you to know that I'm here and I'm with you always. So don't forget that. So this evening, we're going to come to pray. God's call upon his church is that we move forward in prayer. We don't have to do it alone. God never expected us to carry that load without him. We just have to do what he wants us to do. We just have to, to, to listen well and obey. We don't have the wisdom or the insight, but we can listen and we can say, yes, Lord, whatever you need. We're going to ask God for his wisdom in these next steps of moving forward as a new church plant. We need his strength. We're going to pray for our staff tonight. We're going to pray for our leaders. Uh, there are many transitions in front of us as a church, and they're all very, very exciting. We're going to pray for open doors into our community. Here in Terwilliger and over into the five communities of Windermere. So thank you for coming tonight to pray. God's call is to move forward in prayer. Secondly, God's call is to move forward in baptism. Jesus said in the Great Commission, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have four people who are going to be baptized today. Three in the morning service, and one at the very conclusion of the prayer summit this evening. It's very logical for us to ask the question, why do you baptize? What is this really all about? And if you went back in time, 2,000 years to the days of Jesus, you would have heard a Greek word back in those days, probably used in everyday language to describe a variety of situations. That Greek word is the word baptism, but it was pronounced baptizo. And the word meant to dip or to immerse or to dunk, and it was used to describe ships that sunk in the sea. They were baptized, they, they sunk, they, were, they dipped into the sea. Or it was cloth that was dyed in a certain color. For, for a long period of time, the word baptizo had no religious significance whatsoever because women and men baptized their dishes. Sinking ships were baptized into the sea. Kids playing in a river dunked or baptized each other. And then one day, a man showed up named John, and he began baptizing people. And Mark chapter 1, verse 4 tells us that Jesus came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. In other words, John came along and he said that baptism is an outward sign of an inward repentance, an inward change of heart. And John did something in a religious setting that had never been seen before. He baptized people who started to, to change their lives and walk in the direction of God. 
They began to, to follow God with all of their hearts. So along came an Ethiopian man, and he was baptized by Philip. And the scripture says he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. He went down into the water. Why is it necessary to go down into the water? Well, because in order to be baptized, you've got to be buried beneath the water. That's what baptism is, which is exactly how Paul describes baptism in Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. So as we have already seen, you not only go down into the water, but you come up out of the water. Now, if you go down into the water and you were buried beneath the water and you come up out of the water, then you can only conclude that you have been immersed in the water. And that was the practice of baptism in the early church. There are three words that help us understand the meaning of baptism. The first word is identification. When Jesus was baptized, he identified with us. And when we are baptized, we identify with him. We identify with what Jesus went through, his dying, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We identify as we are baptized, we die to ourselves, there is a death to the old things of life, but we also rise to a new life. So baptism is a wonderful picture of our identification with Jesus. The second word is public. Baptism is making public what we believe in our hearts. It's not a secret. It marks the believer. It's not hidden. It's like a wedding ring says you're married. Baptism says you belong to Jesus and you've given your life to him. Heard the story of a little boy who went to church, found out about Jesus, gave his life to Jesus, and his teacher said, you know, now that you've given your life to Jesus, you ought to go tell the pastor. And uh, so after the service, uh, Sunday school was over, he went and he found the pastor, and uh, he walked up to where the pastor was standing, and he forgot the words they told him to say, when he got to the pastor, he looked up into his face and said, I've, Pastor, I've, I've come to know Jesus, and I want to be advertised. I want to be advertised. Well, that's exactly what baptism is. It's your advertisement. It's your advertisement to the world that you have become a believer in Jesus Christ, accepting his death, you accept his burial, and his resurrection as payment for your sins. And the third word is newness. There's a newness that comes when you give your life to Christ and you follow in baptism. It's a transformation. It's in, it's in process. It continues to be an outward picture of an inside change that it's underway. And there, it's the beginning of a transformation. It, it takes time and it takes years, but there's a transformation that's taking place. Baptism is a wonderful step of obedience. And it makes us stronger in our journey of, of, uh, of knowing Christ as our Savior and Lord. So we're so grateful for these three that uh, you're going to witness being baptized uh, in, in a few moments. 
and, and they've given their lives to Jesus Christ. And then tonight, you're going to witness the baptism of one adult uh, after the prayer summit. Then thirdly, God's call to move forward in making disciples. And that is uh, planting churches. Planting churches. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. It could actually be translated this way. While you are going, while you are going, make disciples of all the nations. The term disciple was the most popular name for the early believers. The term can also mean apprentice. So not just a believer, but one who is learning from someone else. And then they come to a place, too, where they apprentice someone else. Or they are disciple makers. And God has given us a huge challenge here at TCC. We feel called to move forward in planting a new church. And friends, do you know that in just two weeks, we will do a, what is called a soft launch, a soft launch uh, uh, into the communities of Windermere. And our goal will be to reach the community to make disciples, to first of all help them understand who Christ is and how much he loves them, and then to have them become followers of Christ, and then apprentices, those who will make more disciples. And the nations, uh, this is what gives me such great joy, then the nations are represented in these five communities of Windermere. Uh, Ambleside, Glen Ridding, uh, Langsdale, and Keswick. Uh, people have come to Edmonton from many different parts of the world. So Southwest Community Church, right from the get-go, will be a church with a rich heritage from many parts of the globe. And that is so thrilling. God is calling us to keep moving forward as a church. Uh, we're called to make a difference in the city of Edmonton. We're so thankful for the ministry right here at Terwilliger Town. But the Lord says, there's more. There's more. And we must go. He has positioned us in the absolute best location to establish another campus and to begin to use the Dr. Margaret Ann Armour School as a basis from which to, to reach out. I can't tell you this morning, friends, how grateful I am for uh, TCC, for your encouragement and for your vision to hear the call of God and to keep moving forward. TCC put $100,000 in the Just Imagine financial campaign nearly two years ago for church planting purposes. And this is how we can get up and running. Because TCC had the foresight to look down the road and see that one day we'll plant a church and we'll need the finances to do this. Uh, there are 90 to 100 people or more, not quite sure, it's a fluid number, uh, that have said we will help to establish a beachhead in this community. Uh, people have said we will see this as our new church or we'll give you a year to help get things up and running and I can only say to you thank you, thank you you are a blessing you are a blessing 
Bless this morning. We want to take a few moments uh, now to, to bless and to honor those who are taking up the mantle to serve at Southwest Community Church. Uh, we also uh, want to take a few moments to, to honor TCC and to say uh, thank you for your vision. Thank you for your heart to bless this new congregation. What is so wonderful is that this is not a church division or this is not a church split. Isn't that great? This is a vision that is being brought to reality intentionally. Uh, so I'm going to ask Pastor Norb to come forward. And uh, Pastor Norb will be the lead pastor here at TCC. Uh, I will be here as well. Uh, but the elders have released me to be the church planting pastor at Southwest Community Church and uh, continue to have the senior role here at both congregations. But Pastor Norb will be responsible uh, for more of the daily operations of the ministry here at TCC. So we're, we're still both here, but I'll be putting at least half of my effort behind the new church plan. But Pastor Norb, I want to bless you and uh, thank you for your faithful ministry over these last eight, nine years. And uh, God has uh, wonderfully equipped you to serve in this new capacity. And uh, so I, I want to bless you and, and thank God for you as you move forward in this new capacity and as you give encouragement to the body here. May your heart overflow with much joy and gratitude. Thanks, Pastor Ken. And Pastor Ken, to say that you are gifted for this new role is an understatement. And really, it's not even a new role. It's really an extension of how God has used you here at TCC already. What started out as a new church plant 14 years ago, established already then, I think, with a heart for church planting, is now already planting another church. And like you always like to say, only God. And once again, that is true. You are an inspiring visionary, exceptional at communicating, and an evangelist at heart. You care about people who don't know Jesus, and it's been that burden that has driven and motivated you through these years. So may God continue to bless you with good health, stamina, and energy to do what he has called us to do. The situation and the opportunity is very different, as you just mentioned. You have a fantastic team right from the start. Jenny is partnering with you, and as we all know, she is called and gifted and has a creative mind and a heart for ministry. And Selena as well. And Selena as well, excited and passionate about children. A great team to work with and to serve with right from the get-go. And just as the early church at Antioch heard the Holy Spirit say, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them, we too have heard God say, set apart for me Pastor Ken and Jenny and Selena for the work to which I have called them. And so we place our hands on you this morning and send you off to this new work with the grace and peace of Christ. Amen. Thank you. What's going to happen now is that uh, I'll invite the families who are anticipating joining Southwest Community Church to come forward uh, in just a moment and just to stand on the steps of the platform and uh, bring your family. Uh, we'd like to see all of your smiling faces. And we want to ask God's blessing on you. And then our children uh, from upstairs, grades one to six, uh, will also come in, and they're going to stand alongside of the walls. And 
They're just going to kind of get themselves ready uh, for the baptisms uh, just a little bit later on. So it might seem a little active here for a while. That's okay. That's what church planting is all about. And, uh, you never know quite what to expect, um, but uh, it'll be exciting. Now, the worship team is going to come, and they're going to lead us in a song. And So Southwest, please uh, come to the front during this time and uh, bring your families. And elders at TCC and ministry leaders at Southwest Community Church, please come to the platform as well. We appreciate that. So let's all stand together as we sing.